Welcome to the latest FT Advisor in Focus podcast, where we'll be talking inheritance tax. It's sometimes wryly described as a voluntary tax. Um, we know the, the limits barely been touched for over a decade with only a bit of changes around residential nil rate bans in recent budgets. And we were perhaps expecting quite a bit in the recent budget. Uh, nothing seemed to come of that, but maybe there's some more tax trouble further down the line. Um, whatever it is, it's obviously not too early to start thinking about mitigating inheritance tax. Well, here to discuss some of these themes and more with us is Nick Bird. He's the Business Development Manager for Octopus Investments. We've got Kira Motley. She's partner at Boodle Hatfield. And Edward Grant. He's the Director Responsible for Professional Development at St. James's Place. Welcome all. I'd like to start with you, if I may, Edward. How out of date or touch is the current tax legislation on IHT? It's a great question to start with. Thank you. So... I think it's probably worth just saying that a lot of the allowances, exemptions and release in relation to inheritance tax came in in the 1980s. So if you think about the £3,000 annual lifetime allowance, that, that came in 1981 um, and hasn't changed since. So uh, if, it, uh, if it had increased by inflation, we'd be up to about £11,900. So uh, it's fair to say... Uh, in terms of inheritance tax, uh, it, it's something that really hasn't been updated and more and more people are are coming into inheritance tax. Um, and, uh, you know, to put it in the context of COVID as well, there will be obviously a significant number of people now unexpectedly being hit by inheritance tax and could well be in a situation where they haven't planned either. So certainly as the tax goes, one very emotive, and very out of date, and uh, and, and that's been recognised by a number of the the uh, reports, including the Office of Tax Simplification. Absolutely, uh, Nick, over to you. Yeah, I'd probably sort of um, pick up from what uh, Edward was saying about the uh, the OTS review, which was just um, two years ago now. That, that took an awful lot of feedback from um, the public and professionals uh, alike. There wasn't really too many sort of big changes that, that happened off the back of that. I think probably the main bits that probably came out which are actually quite important around around education, number one. I don't think it's a, it's a tax that actually the general public are that fully aware of, the ins and outs and, and, and how it works. Edward, Edward was mentioning gifting allowances, all this sort of stuff. There's an awful lot in there. The other bit I think that came out, which I really feel that did need a lot of work, is around administration. So as much about the tax, it's actually about the process. This is something that is having a very stressful period of someone's life, and the stress of filling out forms and so on is, you know, is is quite acute. So I think there's some perhaps some some structural changes around that that, that would benefit the, the general public. But I'd also echo Edward saying that how many more people are affected by this? This is perhaps an issue much more for the mass affluent and probably that actually sits with that sort of advisor market very well, that these are the clients that they're looking after and probably have looked after for years and years and years. And it's perhaps just a changing nature of the planning that, that they're experiencing later on in life. Hmm. Akira, so an emotive tax and a stressful tax. I think I'll pick up on that comment about it being effectively a tax on the mass affluent. Um, only between three and five percent of estates in the UK actually pay inheritance tax, so that is definitely seen in the statistics. 
this isn't something that basically everybody pays. But when it was introduced uh, back in 1986, it was really designed to be uh, a tax on wealthy. It is effectively now a tax on Middle England. Um, the government tried to change quite a bit of that when they introduced the residence nil rate band in April 2017. And that nil rate band effectively gives people an additional amount uh, of allowance for inheritance tax where they have a residential property and they leave it to direct descendants. And that residence nil rate band uh, has now increased up to £175,000. But if you ask how out of date or out of touch is the legislation, I think in in a number of ways it is quite out of touch and out of date. I think particularly as well, it can be a tax that can be used to encourage investments in um, particular areas um, where you can get exemptions from inheritance tax. So you've currently got business uh, property relief, you've got agricultural property relief, and people invest in assets that qualify uh, for relief so as to not pay uh, inheritance tax. And those two reliefs, um, I've only got statistics up to year end um, 2018, but those two reliefs were worth three and a half billion at that point in time. And I think there's there's some scope um, as we look at the world and how the world is changing to, um, you know, potentially uh, expand on the exemptions from inheritance tax. But I don't want to say too much on this question because I've got a little bit to add on that later on. Yeah, fair, fair enough, fair enough. I mean, so obviously IHT wasn't mentioned in, in, in the budget uh, a few weeks ago, but... Um, you know, as you've rightly said, the OTS is looking at IHT as um, prime candidate for simplification and for some changes to it. So uh, what might you like to see happen with IHT? Uh, Kira, I'll start with you. Um, the one big change that I would really like to see happen with inheritance tax is to encourage grain investment. In November 2020, the Prime Minister set out his 10-point plan for what he called the Green Industrial Revolution, which covered clean energy, transport, nature and innovative technologies. And he really wanted the government and the UK to forge ahead with eradicating its contribution to climate change by 2020. So why not effectively um, bring in an inheritance tax relief that covers green investments so that people who invest in these areas, they contribute to this, uh, what he called the green industrial revolution. Why not make that free of inheritance tax? Because if you do, and you did that, um, you would actually find that you had a mass number of additional people investing in that space. And I think to give you an indication of figures, um, for the year 2019 to 20, 5.2 billion was taken inheritance tax but of that um i don't know the exact figures for that year but around about three to four billion was uh, already in release for agricultural and business property relief so i think if you were to add um something to do with green investments into those reliefs i think it could really um create a private flow of money into that industry that would be very good um, both for the economy and also for, for change for the country. 
Nick, that's an interesting proposition, sort of adding sort of green investment um, and hopefully bringing more investors into this part of the, the economy. Is that something that you might like to see with IHD? Can we, can we do that? Look, I think that um, you know, Octopus are actually a, a major green investor. And I think that um, lots of people have come to that way of looking at their legacy, I think, to, to an extent. I think what I like there that uh, Kira is saying about a lot of estate planning. So I don't think about avoiding IHT and so on, but estate planning is about creating a good legacy. And if there's some sort of match to legacy there, which is a, a better world, not just for sort of children or grandchildren, but a, a, greater, a better world for, for many people, I think that has some interesting thoughts to that. I think it perhaps t- talks about the tax regime of not always being stick, but also being carrot. And talks about the encouragement of reliefs to, to have certain behaviours for, for certain good outcomes. And I think actually the government have done well over that over many years. In fact, different shades of government have always been quite supportive about encouraging certain investments. So, so yeah, I think, I think there's something there. In terms of other changes, part of me sometimes, I work with hundreds of, of advisors. And often actually the feedback they give is, actually I quite like the consistency of legislation. When I'm planning here, I'm planning for the very much long-term, this is the most long-term planning I ever put in, in, in place for, for a client. So there's an element, although that perhaps we always want change and think, things to move around, there's also an element, I think, of consistency that you know what you're dealing with and you can put a 10, 15, 20-year plan in place and know it's not going to be scuppered by, by every single budget. So I think yeah, as much as we want change, we also want consistency. Absolutely. So, Edward, what do your clients want? Do they want change? Do they want consistency? Do they want both? <laughs> I think, yeah, absolutely. I think consistency is really, really important. I think also you have the issue around intergenerational planning as well. So, you know, if you think about the move in in advisory market to goals-based planning, people thinking longer term, they're they're now able to visualize um, their future and and, and make, make much more educated decisions about their future. But also one of the things that's come out is the need to to move wealth onto the next generation. So this intergenerational planning is so important now because what you have, especially with the pandemics, you have sort of generations going in two different directions now. And actually we need to pass wealth through. And I think that the inheritance tax uh, regime could encourage that. And also I think the other thing it could start to do is look at the issue of care. So if you think about the whole social care market, we've got a massive challenge at the moment so is there a way of linking inheritance tax planning, estate planning and, and, and make it efficient so that you actually can have wealth for your own care as well? Because I think that's probably, if you think about one of our growing issues, the issue of how we deal with social care is now becoming a, a major topic that everyone keeps on pushing away and not really taking it on properly. Yeah, you're absolutely right there, Edward. And if I can stick with you for um, for, for the next question, really, we don't plan enough for our later life. Um, we don't plan enough to do um, long-term care funding, for example. I, I think generally as, as a nation, we're always sort of grin and bear it and hope for the best. Do you find that your clients sort of need a nudge or a, a big nudge towards thinking about IHT or, or thinking about later life planning? And sort of how do you go about encouraging them to really get on top of this i think the important thing to think about when you when you consider inheritance tax planning is you've got to be quite altruistic to do it because ultimately you are not paying the bill it's the next generation paying the bill so so you're actually doing something to help the next generation you'll probably you may restrict your lifestyle as a consequence of of doing it so i think the issue is 
and come back to sort of goals-based planning again. The issue is helping people visualise they have too much wealth in some circumstances and they need to pass that wealth on or structure their wealth in a certain way that, that makes it work for them, but also work in an efficient way for the next generation as well. And, and, and I'm sure Nick will talk uh, happily about business relief solutions that, 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 that actually help do that. But I do think that from a planning point of view, our experience with the advisory marketplace is that, that everyone talks about inheritance tax planning and state planning, but very few people actually end up doing something about it because they, they just don't have the, the desire to do anything um, and they think it's someone else's, someone else's problem. Yeah, absolutely. Too much wealth would be a lovely problem to have, though. But um, Nick, uh, would you like to come in there? Yeah, look, I, I think there's something there about sort of the, the emotional gap there. I feel that the advisors I work best with that seem to sort of resonate most of all with, with, the, with clients to make them think about this, the people that really get it emotionally. You know, what does this matter to you? Because as, as Edward said, you don't pay this tax at all. So do you care? And actually, there's a family situation that, that's played out there. Not everyone loves their children. I think yeah, <laughs> during, during lockdown, I could have changed my will 10 times. Um, and I think that w- within that, it is about how important is this goal to you? So I know it's a bit boring talking about goal-based planning and so on, but that is ultimately where, where, where it sits. So uh, as I say that you really have to care. I, I, I can think about a meeting I went to, it must have been a couple of years ago now, going to that person's house, being sort of led, led through um, a corridor and, and, and uh, pictures on the wall, and every single picture was a grandchild and a wedding. And it, it reminded me that that meeting was not really about the brochures in my hand. It's about the people on the wall. And actually, she was making an emotional decision. She wasn't making a, a cold-hearted, I must not pay inheritance tax. So these are people that I care about. And I think the other bit that Edward was saying well, there was sort of cash flow modeling and so on. It's quite vital to tell people, what have you got and what should you do with it? Um, and for me, again, that's not about not paying inheritance tax. That's about spending appropriately, gifting appropriately. And I think seeing gifting as a thing, you're gifting security to someone else. You're gifting fun to someone else. But if you're gifting fun or security, you're giving it away from you, maybe. So you have the fun, you have the security. And I think that's where it's always such a balancing act in, in making um, good planning. As I say, it's not just about not paying inheritance tax. So that's an outcome. It's much more about understanding the, the client and what's important to them. Sure. And, and even if client does hate their children and grandchildren particularly, they may um, have charities or charitable institutions they want to support. So, I mean, uh, Kira, can I bring you in here? Yeah, I mean, I, I would really echo everything that's been said already. I think sometimes people think, well, you know, I, I don't necessarily want to plan because I don't want to give assets away. And I think one of the points that's really important to bring in here is the normal expenditure out of income exemption. So what this says is that where an individual has surplus income within any given year or years, uh, they can use that income to make gifts. And then that is uh, completely inheritance tax free when they're making these gifts, subject to certain exemptions. So I think that's one thing that probably people wouldn't necessarily think about. The other thing I'd say is that there is now a new exemption whereby people can give up to 10% of their estate to charity on their death. And effectively, subject to certain conditions being met, it doesn't end up costing their estate a penny. That's another exemption that people really aren't aware about. 
And if it doesn't, the computations are extremely complicated, but very broad brush. If it doesn't cost your heirs anything, and effectively you take it out of the hand of HMRC and into the hand of a charity that you care about, I think that that's something that a lot of people would want to do, but they actually don't know about it. So it's one of the reasons people don't sort of plan, because in that aspect anyway, because they're not aware that they can do that. Kira, I'm going to stick with you now because these are really, really positive sort of measures that you've, you've mentioned. What other measures perhaps could, could advisors, could, could family lawyers, accountants be doing to help their clients mitigate that IHT bill, providing, of course, that the, 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 the clients are interested? I mean, the one that most people are aware of is the potentially exempt transfer rule. You have an asset, you give it away, and as long as you don't reserve a benefit in it, so you give it entirely um, without keeping anything back after seven years, that's outside your estate for inheritance tax. So say, for example, you have a valuable painting. If you give a valuable painting to the child, that child takes the painting, puts it in their home after seven years very broadly, that should be free of inheritance tax. However, if you keep that same painting still on your wall, um, it's not free of inheritance tax because you continue to keep it. You've then got the normal expenditure out of income where you can gift out of surplus income. You've got business property relief. You've got agricultural property relief. Um, You've also got the um, £3,000 annual exemption that Edward talked about at the very beginning. So those are really the most common ways of helping people mitigate inheritance tax. But I'd also echo really what Nick said, that it's not about just the pure mitigation of tax. It's about planning for your children and planning for the future. And that covers a whole host of different types of things. Edward, I can see you're taking some, some notes there. And what, what sort of uh, measures do you use when, when, uh, or SJP users when you're talking to your clients to try and uh, encourage them to mitigate IHT, but also to use their money in the way that they want it to be used? I think one of the things that we always talk about is the spousal bypass trust. So if you think about people's wealth, a lot of their wealth is, is in two big assets at the moment. One is their house and the other one is their pension. And putting your pension, so, it's, so it goes all your death benefits as well, in, in a, if you're working still, into uh, a spousal bypass trust, at least doesn't make the problem worse for someone, for your, for, for your spouse or, or anyone else who could have received that money. So I think that you know, good housekeeping when it comes to RHT is really important making sure you have a have a will in place making sure you use trust where appropriate powers of attorney um don't don't leave it as late as ken ken dodd to get married i think he got he got married the the week he died um you know simple basic planning is so so important and i think that actually the last 12 months has probably been for many advisors if you talk to them they've probably done more housekeeping planning than they've probably ever done because clients have had a chance to actually think about what they've got. They've also had a chance to go and look through all those papers. They've had some spare time and they've looked through all their papers and they sort of started to ask, what is this this envelope that I haven't opened in the last three years? So it's it's actually going and doing that basic housekeeping is really, really important. Um, and you know, and, and the other bit, just picking up what, what Kyra said, is is around things like the normal expenditure rule. It's such a great exemption that is hardly ever used. 
and is also great for advisors because what you can do is you can have your income and expenditure document which can be produced on the death and it is a great way of saving inheritance tax because you've got the evidence of why that exemption is there. That sounds really, really helpful. Thank you very much, Edward. So, Nick, yes, obviously we don't want to be leaving it. I mean, Ken was too late, really, to start getting any Diddy men, really, to uh, inherit his estate. Uh, one week's not going to do it, So, uh, <laughs> unless you're Charlie Chaplin. Uh, um, but um, so what other measures, perhaps, can advisors be thinking of um, when it comes to mitigating IHT and making the most of their money for the next generations? I, I think the one the bits that, that, that's been missed out so far is you should learn to ski. And what does that mean? That actually stands for something. It stands for spend the kids' inheritance. And I think it's a piece of, of advice that my parents took way much to, to, to heart. When, when I go to their house, they have a map of the world with pins all over it, where they've been traveling all, all over the place. Every pin is like a dagger in the heart of my inheritance. But um, what it is is that you should spend your money. You should enjoy your life. You've got one go at this. So don't necessarily think about um, mitigating tax. Actually say, look, you've got a chance here to... To, to enjoy it, yeah, drink beautiful wine every single day. D don't put these things off. So, and again, this pause in our lives right now has reminded us, enjoy it. You get one go at it, do the things that, that, that matter to you. So I think there is that. You should spend your life. If you're not going to spend it, then yeah, I agree. Checkbook planning is still giving it away. And if you can afford to give money away, then see the value of doing it. I think people write their wills and think, when I'm no longer here, I want these people to get the money. Well, you are here, and you, so you've written down people that you care about. So if you can afford to, give them the money now. See the joy of, of that gifting. There's perhaps we often see that the people that might pass away could be 90 and give it to a 70-year-old. I think, well, the 70-year-old really doesn't need that money, and maybe actually there's a, there's a more positive change that you could have made happen a lot, a lot earlier. I think when it comes down to it, it's a raft of things. There is not one answer. Spend it, give it away, trusts, trusts are for me for people that you don't trust because you don't know who they're going to get married to, if they're going to be too responsible when they grow up. I mean, my, my little 12-year-old daughter right now seems quite cute and nice, but when she turns 18, do I want her um, receiving money for, from a trust? Not really. I don't know what she might turn into. Um, and I think, look, we, we come in with business property relief or, or, or business relief because we're trying to provide a bit of balance where you don't necessarily want to deprive yourself um, with everything, and but you still want potential for access control yeah subject to liquidity you're taking different risks on, on the investment but it perhaps plays out that it is hopefully a long life to live perhaps the difficulty we all have none of us know when we're going to die so actually none of us know how to live yeah, if it was tomorrow we'd live quite differently but it could be 20 30 40 whatever it might be and i think what comes out from every every advisor i come across is portfolio planning They've, they're portfolio planners when it comes to the pie chart of investments, and they should be exactly the same place when it comes to a pie chart of potential IHT sort of solutions too. Mm, absolutely. So we're not looking at pie in the sky when you die. You're looking at steak on a plate while you wait. I, I like that. Although, can I, can I just say, Nick, um, and for anyone who's listening, do check with your doctor and medical advice before committing to um, a bottle of fine wine every single day for the rest of your life. Remember, we are not medical experts. We are financial experts here. So uh, just a little caveat there. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, we're looking at sort of maybe people, obviously, who have got children and grandchildren, maybe even great grandchildren. But actually, how early on in life should we be thinking about IHT? I'm, uh, I suppose it's no surprise to anyone anymore, but I am now in my 40s. Should I be putting this off to later? Nick? 
I don't want to leave too long, too long a pause there. You don't look anything, anything like that, Samir. <laughs> so um, when, when do you get involved in this? Generally speaking, it is going to be for much of older people. So I think typically what you find is that people have retired. They get used to not earning, have any new money coming in. They're sort of living off a certain income. You kind of think, okay, what's it like to, like to live off, off that income? And yeah, is it too much, not enough? And that's perhaps comes back to some of those cash flow modeling sort of um, uh, discussions. So it depends really. I think that some people are imbued with wealth quite early. They might sell a business yeah, and, and make money in their sort of 40s and 50s. And I guess they have an issue where inheritance tax could make a difference to that success. I think in some ways, I think about myself that I took out critical illness cover the day my children were born because suddenly that was that was quite important. And I think they probably extend that to when does this goal become important? I'm not thinking at all about inheritance tax because I'm thinking about skiing at the moment. Uh, and so it, it is about that. But I think generally speaking, clients certainly come to us are 65, 70 plus. There can be some poor health involved as well. Ultimately, I guess with all planning, planning is best to do ahead of time, not not when you really have to do it. Yeah, yeah, do it before before it happens. And I think that's where yeah, engaging with those discussions early-ish is useful. Pensions have probably made a big change here, actually. Yeah, pension legislation has been so different there, the way that people view their pension, not necessarily as their retirement pot, could be their estate planning pot. So I think, broadly speaking, I've seen the discussion maybe happen slightly earlier than, than, than perhaps it used to. So, Kira, um, providing my insurance uh, covers it, I can go skiing now and then maybe wait until a little bit later. What, what would your advice be? I'm a lawyer, so I tend to look at things a little bit differently. I tend to be kind of, well, I suppose someone only ever comes to a lawyer when they have problems. So I tend to see the problem side of everything in in life in general so I would say probably more um there's no there's no reason not to plan early and it's not just about inheritance tax if you are say a couple husband and wife in your 40s you have two young children most people would think why on earth do I need to plan for inheritance tax I have a spouse exemption if I leave assets to my spouse why do I even need to plan at all it's not just about planning for inheritance tax. It's about planning for the children. Um, you never know if something could happen to both both partners at the same time. You know, so I always say plan for the worst and hope for the best, really. So um, planning isn't just about that inheritance tax piece. It can be about how to provide for your children. Perhaps if you've got two minor children, a trust under your will is a good thing. So as Nick said, at, at 18 years old, they don't suddenly come into wealth, um, head off to uni and spend all of it on, you know, uh, the things that people may want to spend their, their money on in their freshest week. Um, and so having, having that trust could be just a really good thing to provide for your children. You can provide for guardians for children um, and you can also be creating a legacy. And so if you plan in your 40s and then you know you update in your 50s, update again in your 60s, it's not costing you much money to do that. Because once you've got your will, you've effectively got your framework and then you can just simply adjust your framework with little tweaks here and there. So I don't think it's I don't think it's something where people necessarily need to be massively concerned about in their forties. But at the same time, I'd also say kind of wider learning. Why not just think about it and have that safety net there? 
and think about the planning, you know, think about it in the category of an insurance product. I'm hoping that I draft this paperwork, it sits down in the bottom drawer along with copies of my insurances and I never look at it, you know, for another 10 years or something. But I think not having it is, is a more uncomfortable position than having the best of the time to do it. And that's uh, very comprehensive. So, Edward, can we come to you? What would you advise your clients to do? I think the, the important thing, as Kira said, is, is first of all, prepare for the unexpected. If, if nothing for the last 12 months has told us that you need to, you need to be prepared for the unexpected. And, and in terms of planning, yes, you can take out life cover and do all those things yourself. But it comes back to this, this issue of housekeeping. Make sure that you have all the key foundations in place. Think about uh, the potential inheritance that you may get and think about what's the most efficient way of you inheriting money or you passing on that money on to the next generation because you know you are of the age where you may start to inherit money and it's a conversation that you need to have um, with your parents or grandparents about how's the best way to do it. So planning doesn't have to be with your wealth, it could be with the wealth that was coming is coming to you. The, the other thing I think that's really important is is that people often don't know what their current situation is. I come back to my goals-based planning. Um, you know, one thing that it does do is it does help people visualise where they are at that particular time. And that's a really good place to start uh, in terms of any strategies. And if you do have wealth, then you, like everyone else, have the rolling seven-year opportunity to give your wealth away. So you should you should keep on thinking about that as a as a conveyor belt opportunity to give give wealth away um, if you are in a fortuitous position to to give that wealth away. Um, so so you know for me there's lots that you can do to get yourself ready and make sure all the sort of housekeeping is 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 done. Fantastic. Well, that's really, really helpful, Edward. And I'm afraid that on that note, um, we're going to have to end this uh, really interesting podcast. But I'd like to thank all my guests, Edward, Kira and Nick, for taking the time to speak to us. And thank you all for listening. Until next time, take care. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.